0: I am super excited to be sitting back down and recording another episode for you. Quick life update, we are officially back in Indonesia, we are not back in Bali, we're actually back in Lombok. Niels and I, we did really wanted to go back to Bali, but after searching around, trying to find a place to live, the accommodation has definitely changed in comparison to when we went to Bali last year. Times have changed because last time when we went to Bali, it was right after COVID. So Bali was a lot more quiet and there was a lot more accommodation available. At the moment now, everyone just wants daily rentals rather than monthly rentals. So we're paying holiday prices for a place to live. So it's a bit outrageous. (laughs) So what we've done instead is we've opted to jump across to the island next to it. And we're now in Lombok. And people explain Lombok as a uh, barley about 15 years ago. And that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's definitely less busy. It's definitely got a lot less development. And it's definitely, you know, you've got markets on the side of the road. You've got way less tourists. You've got really, really cheap food, especially local food. We had some last night and it was absolutely delicious. So yeah, it wasn't exactly what I expected to be completely honest, but in saying that I am really content of our decision and really happy being here. In today's episode, I am so freaking grateful that our special guest has taken the time to share her expertise and her knowledge. Her name is Nina also known as naturally nina on instagram and she is an accredited sports nutritionist she is a crossfit coach and she creates amazing content for brands i'm so excited to pick her brain all things talking about how to fuel your body correctly especially to optimize your performance and to dive deep and to share her own story from underfueling to now absolutely smashing it in the gym Before we jump into the episode, I would love it if you could just take literally five seconds of your time to write this podcast a review. It really, really does support the channel, and the more support it can get, that means the more people we can help with it. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcast app and write a little review. Anyway, now let's jump into the episode. I can't thank you enough, Nina, honestly, for being here. I'm so freaking grateful that you're sitting here and I get to pick your brain about fueling our bodies correctly and, you know, really making sure that women out there are also then being able to fuel their bodies correctly as well. So from coaching CrossFit, from nutrition consultations and creating freaking amazing content, I would
1: love it if you could tell us how the hell you fit it all in and a little bit more about you. Well thank you so much for having me really excited and honored to be on um a little bit about myself so my name's Nina I'm from um the southwest of western australia I've lived here for about 20 years but before that I lived in switzerland so I was born in switzerland and we moved here when I was 6 um my passion for health fitness nutrition I guess it came as I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was age 9 so that really gave me you know, like a huge sort of appreciation and just interest in how food affected my body, how it made me feel. And of course, how I could like manage my health condition um, with food, with um, exercise. And I went through a really rough time with disordered eating and having an eating disorder during high school. So Mm -hmm. like definitely took it to the extremes. And a lot of that came from like wanting to be the perfect diabetic and really have those perfect blood sugar levels. Um, and I was also competitive swimming at the time. So I just didn't really understand what my body needed. And for me, it was just like all about blood sugars. Yeah, I wasn't giving myself that fuel that I needed to actually function properly, perform well, feel good. I know that's what gave me such a huge passion now for teaching others and educating others how important it is to fuel your body correctly and actually eat enough to do everything that you want to do because of the how much it can impact your body and how much it can impact your life when you don't to the point where it can leave you to just not feeling great not performing well and even having things taken away from you like your health or the things that you love relationships friendships your sport when it gets to a horrible point so That's kind of a little bit of a background of why I'm passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. But I guess also I am an accredited nutritionist and sports nutritionist. Um, I have mostly online practice. So I work with people one-on-one worldwide, um, but also in the area that I live in. And I also coach CrossFit at my local gym, which I love. Wow. Wow.
0: What an amazing story. And honestly, like that must have been so hard being so young and getting a diagnosis like that i know it wasn't planned to jump in and talk about that but do you mind if i just ask you a few questions in and around absolutely. that absolutely yeah. yeah because that's the thing right like the perfectionism and i can totally relate to that and i know personally a lot of my clients do is it's something that is holding us back so much because we want everything to be a certain way so with that perfectionism and focusing on the blood sugar levels how is your relationship with carbohydrates
1: during that time it was pretty horrible, mm. like even back then. So nowadays, most um, type one diabetics, myself included, wear a continuous glucose monitor, mm. which has actually in a way, although it brings so many benefits and like I'm incredibly grateful for the technology, it makes life actually a lot easier and a lot safer in a lot of ways it also yep. makes life a lot harder in other ways because every five minutes you're seeing your blood sugar levels you have this graph mm-hmm. of how well you're doing like 24 yes. 7 and there's 42 different factors which can affect our blood sugar levels we think wow. it's just carbs and exercise but it's also other things like hormones and stress levels literally the weather um like absorption really? of insulin, Fiber, type of carbohydrates, fat, protein like all of these different things that can affect how our blood sugars respond to food, to insulin, to the things that we're doing. So, like, it's really easy to say when we get a spike in our blood sugar levels to straight away either blame that food or Mm -hmm. blame ourselves for being a failure or getting things wrong. When in reality, like, it's just a piece of information and Obviously, it meant something wasn't quite right, but it wasn't our fault. It's something that we can then learn from and improve on to hopefully, you know, do a bit better next time. But I think the hardest thing about it is that it's not just that we can disconnect from those numbers because it is like a really important part of taking care of ourselves, like having... Blood sugars, which are erratic and or too high or too low, both affect our long-term and our short-term health. So it really affects my energy levels, my mood, how I feel. Yeah. And then also like risk of complications later down the track. So it's not kind of like you can just say, oh, just don't care about them anymore and give yourself a break. It's like I kind of have to find this balance between actually managing them well, but also yeah. having that good relationship with those blood sugar levels and taking care of my mental health, which can be so tough for a lot of diabetics.
0: Yeah. And I love that you bring that up because I'm such a strong believer in like, we really need to be working on our mindsets in any sort of like fitness or um, nutrition journey, because it's that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize it's actually getting in their way is those self sabotaging thoughts. And then what we're making it mean about us. And we're taking it like putting that pressure on us and taking it personally, almost think that we're shit, but really it's being able to detach that. So how did you create that healthy mindset with it what was something that you really implemented there to be able to like detach yourself from I'm shit to okay what's actually going wrong here
1: yeah I think like it was definitely like just a lot of time that it took to bit change that mindset but it was really realizing like the way that I was handling the situation and the way that I was treating myself was only making things worse, Mm. both for myself and for like how I felt. But also for those around me, like for example, when I'd have high blood sugars, I'd get so mad at myself. I'd get grumpy Mm. at everyone around me. I'd say like, oh, this day is is shit. Like, you know, Mm. just kind of written off the day and beating myself up about it. Yet like if I did that, wouldn't change the fact that my blood sugar was high. So I kind of learned that, okay, well, if that's only going to actually make things worse and not going to make things better, how can I kind of change that to at least not make things worse in that situation? So even if say my blood sugar is high, all I can do is correct it, wait to come down and then kind of move on with my day or maybe learn from it why I might've gone high. So it doesn't happen again next time, but being grumpy about it, being grumpy at myself and everyone else. And Yeah, getting into this really bad mood because of it just wasn't helping the situation. It definitely took a lot of time to work on that and reframing that. But Mm. same thing with food, like just realizing how awful I was feeling, how like the way I was fueling my body and how it was taking away the things that were important to me, like sport, a huge one, like not having energy, feeling really weak, even to the point where I had to give up competitive swimming, which I, which was my entire life, just because I didn't have the capacity to do that anymore because my body was so weak. Wow. And just realizing like, even though I was doing these things, with the best intentions, because I thought they would make me happier. I thought they would make me stronger or whatever. The outcomes, like the clear evidence was it wasn't. So what changes can I make? And maybe finally starting to listen to what everyone else was trying to tell me, this is what you need to be doing, which I initially was just like, no, you're all wrong. You're all just trying to lie to me and that kind of stuff. Um, But really slowly, slowly just making those changes and as you make those changes, they do, whilst they're really hard to make, they do like give you that proof and evidence of mm. that they are good changes to make. Like for example, even just like, oh, I've got more energy or I'm able yeah. to do things again, or my mood is much better. Or, I'm finding things funny again, where before I was just always yeah. in this flat mood, you know, those little things yeah. and it makes it easier to keep going as you keep practicing that.
0: Yeah. And I couldn't agree with that more because I remember I was in that same state of just so being afraid of food. But then I was so hyper fixated on like wanting to look a certain way that I was just forgetting about like how I felt in terms of like no energy, being cold all the time, being like such a bitch. Like I remember like just getting so irritable, like not having a period, like all the signs were there. However, I was just completely ignoring it because of like that other thing that I wanted more so. But this leads perfectly into my next question for you, because I absolutely love your message around gaining weight is a good thing and I absolutely couldn't agree more because it completely changed my life as well literally like regaining my life again through the positive things that come with it in terms of energy being able to have better relationships being able to you know be in a social situation and actually like sit there and enjoy it rather than like you know second guessing everything that you're doing absolutely and I know for a fact that there are so many people who are still in that mindset of like, they're really afraid of eating more. They're afraid of fueling their bodies correctly because of they're afraid of gaining weight.
1: Mm.
0: So I would love it if you could share your own journey through that weight gaining process and what really helped you. I know that you just mentioned that like, you know, all the positive things that came with that. Um, so I'd love it if you could dive deeper into how you were able to change that perception.
1: Yeah, so I was really underweight for like pretty much my entire time at high school, like basically from age 10 to early 20s, I was very very underweight. And that's not going to be the same for everyone who has a poor relationship with food, not everyone is going to be underweight, a lot of people actually, most people are not. Mm-hmm. Um so this is my experience, but I'm also going to touch on the other aspect when people aren't underweight. So I really like needed to gain weight for my health, but at the time, even though I was very, very underweight, I like, I knew I was underweight because like everyone told me and I I, like knew the facts, but I was still really unhappy with my body and I was terrified of weight gain. And I had a huge, huge fear of it to the point where I thought like, I don't want to live if I have to gain weight. Like I would rather Mm. have this life, but be able to stay at this weight, even though I was absolutely miserable, just because I was so terrified of the weight gain. And I remember getting like this target weight from my doctors, which was like kind of the minimum safe weight that I needed to be just to like function basically. Mm -hmm. And I saw that as, okay, well, I am never going above that weight in my entire life. I would never be okay with that. I'm well above that weight now, by the way. Mm -hmm. But my experience was like, even though I thought as I gained weight, I would get unhappier and unhappier with my body. And Yes, that was actually the case initially, like whilst I was in hospital and going through refeeding process and my mindset wasn't changing in any way. I was still in this really dark, deep mindset. And, you know, but as I actually then started working on that mindset and rebuilding like my life outside of having an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I only actually became happier with my body. And that has nothing to do with the way that my body looks. It has everything to do with the fact that it was less important to me. So when I was in my eating disorder, like, that became the only thing that I cared about was like the number on the scales and and how small I could be. But mm-hmm. as and everything else disappeared from my life because I didn't have the capacity and the energy for those things in my life. And as I gained the weight and those things came back into my life, like friendships and hobbies and training and love for food and family and all of those things came back into my life. And I actually had energy and mm-hmm. felt good mentally and all of those things even though I was gaining weight, I became so much more okay with it because it just mattered less. And I know that can be really hard to wrap your head around when you're not in that state yet. But all I can say is have the faith that that will happen because when your life like expands in other ways, because you're actually fueling your body to feel good and be able to have all of those other things in your life, that kind of like little piece of the pie chart that is taken up by body image and weight and shape shrinks to a much smaller bit. And you also get to start appreciating your body for everything that it can do and everything that it does for you and how strong you're getting and like, you know, PBs in the gym and all of those types of things versus just like being thin. And like know, from personal experience, like I've actually also much preferred the way that my body looks when it looks healthy and strong as opposed to when it just is really frail and and malnourished. But even in cases where people aren't underweight and are just under fueling and under eating because of the fear of weight gain, it's important to remember that weight gain is only going to happen as a result of fueling your body correctly and properly if your body needs that to be healthy. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a side effect or a side outcome that happens as a result of doing the things that you need to be your best self. It's not you are going into this to gain weight, it's you are going into this to be strong, to feel good, to have all the energy, to have a healthy, functioning, strong body. And if a little bit of weight gain happens as a result of that, then it, it needed to happen. And because of all of those other benefits, you know, it only is a positive thing. And not always is the case that weight gain happens as a result of eating more and fueling properly. Sometimes it's just your body has more energy to utilize for all of the things that you do in a day. So it kind of just means your kind of equilibrium balance of energy in, energy out is higher than it was before and your body's just utilizing more energy. And sometimes a little bit of weight gain does happen. We don't really have control over that. That's our, our body's own decision of what it needs and how you know that individual functions and, and, and sits best at. But I think it's really important to try and take that focus away from the weight gain and take the focus to like how you feel is your health, your life, your relationship with food, your energy, like, is that where you want it to be? And if it's not, regardless of where your weight is, it's something to look at and to potentially work on.
0: Yes. I love everything you said there in terms of moving the focus away from weight. Absolutely. And that's definitely something that I do with all of my clients. Like the first thing I do is like, let's throw out the scale. We don't need that. We're going to focus on like some real outcome measures. Like we're going to focus on like how you're performing in the gym. Are you actually, you know, are your weights increasing? We're going to focus on your sleep. Is it improving? Are you actually getting restful sleep? Are you waking up in the morning feeling so energized? things like stress management, things like in relationship with food, like they're the things that are really overall going to help us so much with our performance in the gym, more so than like what a number says on the scales. So I wanted to also talk about the, how you said that when you start fueling your body correctly, we often see like sometimes the scale doesn't even increase. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say that just to anyone listening, like that's been really common with a lot of my clients Mm -hmm. in terms of like, they're not sitting in that underweight stage, they're sitting in that, in the second phase that you spoke about. And a lot of the times we only ever see positive, like body composition changes, but it's never.
1: But you're absolutely right. It is positive body composition changes. Cause if you think about like when we exercise, like our body can only make positive adaptations to the exercise that we're doing. So like building muscle tissue, um, getting stronger, actually Mm. making those positive changes in our body composition. If we have the building blocks to recover to Mm -hmm. fuel from the exercise that we're doing so if we're just going to the gym but then not fueling ourselves properly our body's just breaking down tissue and it's not then rebuilding it so if we really think about it from like a physiological level it actually makes a lot of sense that we only start seeing those results and actually fueling our bodies to do the things that we want to do and then recover from that as well
0: yeah, said it perfectly. Absolutely. Because I think people don't really understand like the process is like there's three elements that everyone needs to master, right? They need to master their training. They need to master their nutrition and they also need to master their recovery. And mm. we can't get progress. We can't get stronger if you don't have all three aligned and people think that they have their training down pat and then they're like, but they're struggling with their nutrition. But then there's like so many other flaws that come with that. And I think that's another exactly. totally good <laughs> conversation there. Um, So if someone is feeling a little bit overwhelmed with increasing their food, how can someone go about it and feel like okay with doing so?
1: Yeah. So if someone's feeling overwhelmed with increasing their food, the first thing I would start with is just focusing on eating regularly. So (laughs) as someone who eats like three meals, three snacks every single day without fail. i meant to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm Like how do people even go just like skipping meals? But there's a lot of people who don't eat regularly. So that's absolutely the first place I would start is making sure you're having three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then at least one to two, if not three snacks. So in between your meals, have that snack. And that's a really good place to start because then at least we're eating regularly then we can start looking at what do those meals and snacks actually look like mm. and making sure they are adequate and trying to work on those portion sizes this can be a little bit more overwhelming because it's like the amount of food in front of us so it can also really help to focus on choosing more energy dense options so a lot of you know especially women having a lot of like vegetables and low calorie foods and salads or like a snack is just a piece of fruit or something and then looking at okay well how can i change up my meals and snacks to make them a little bit more energy dense. So it's less overwhelming. It doesn't just look like I've doubled my usual salad. So you know that could be including more like grains, like rice, pasta, noodles, breads, wraps. It could be exchanging or adding like snacks like muesli bars, um, nut bars, even handfuls of nuts, trail mix. You could do like granola yogurt bowls, even like Make up some protein balls or some muffins, something like that. Um, adding more nut butters, um, nuts and seeds sprinkled on top of meals, like all those little extras that you can add to meals to make them kind of they're also a lot more delicious when you do that. You know, like the drizzles of nut butters and the the mayo, the sauces, the pesto on top, or the like adding oils again, not making everything oil free. Like those things are really easy to bump up the energy in your food without it feeling overwhelming. And it also helps create more joy around food because your meals aren't like bland and boring anymore. They're actually more delicious, which makes it a lot easier to eat more if we're choosing foods that actually taste good. Yeah, absolutely. I talk about the satisfaction factor of food
0: just all the time. I remember when I used to make my meals of like my tofu and like a bunch of vegetables and I was like nothing else and everything was cooked in water. And I was like, yeah, just so always left so unsatisfying and always looking for something else. So that's absolutely so bang on in terms of including the satisfaction factor in food.
1: Um, yeah, and I think also like we have a lot of people have a lot of fear around like liquid calories, but yeah. l- like drinking Food or drinking energy can be a really good way. Also, if feeling full all the time, which happens really often when we're trying to eat more, or we're just you know really busy, or we're finding it hard to eat more, like going for like a hot chocolate or like a juice or a smoothie. Smoothies are probably one of my favorite things to pack in a lot of energy, especially you know when you're busy or just don't really have much of an appetite. Putting lots of fruit, nut butters, a bit of yogurt or milk, protein powder, etc. Even chuck in some dates, some oats, and you can make those quite energy dense and really yummy as well without them like feeling super full, especially if people are struggling with that aspect of things.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one to talk about as well. And I know a lot of my clients, especially like moving into a surplus phase and a real building muscle Mm -hmm. phase, they definitely struggle with getting all those calories in. So that's definitely a really good one for those people that are working towards those goals as well and the crazy thing is it's like we're saying all the foods that i don't know about you but i definitely once thought were scary and i absolutely can't have so it's so crazy to sit in this position now and to be like trying to get everyone to come to the light <laughs> side and realize that like this is what you guys need to do you need to you know absolutely. consume all these foods that are going to bring you so much joy but of course they're going to give your body so much energy that you need in order to perform so I love that you've said all of that.
1: Yeah, Um, a lot of people are still in that mindset of, you know, calories are bad and lower calories better, but it's just... Like if we break it down again to like a physiological level, like calories are units of energy, which our bodies run off. And it's not just going to the gym and going for runs. It's like everything that your body does. It's keeping your heart beating and your lungs breathing and your skin cells repairing themselves and your brain working and doing everything that you do that's outside of exercise, like working and thinking and grocery shopping and cleaning and all of that stuff, it all requires calories. And less is not better enough Mm -hmm. is better. And choosing lower calorie options isn't going to be the healthier choice if it means our body's not getting that energy and fuel it needs to function and do all the things that we do in a day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this brings us perfectly into the next question that I had for you in terms of just because something is healthy or just because something is low calorie doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. And I couldn't agree more in that is because I see it all the time with clients and I'm sure that you do too. They believe, they come to me and they say, oh, I can't eat more calories. I'm already eating so much. And mm-hmm. after we really talk about what they're actually eating, we break it down and it's the powdered peanut butters. It's the rice cakes with cottage cheese on it. It's heaps of veggies and a protein source, but not much fat and definitely not very many complex carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So what is the problem of this for active women who are training in the gym and especially ones that are constantly doing you know,
1: high intensity exercise or CrossFit, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So if we're always choosing like low calorie options and lots of vegetables and lots of like diety foods, you know, like your diet yogurts and your protein bars and your sugar-free maple syrups and things like that, your body's just not going to get that fuel and that energy that it needs to both fuel everything that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, fuel your training and recover from your training as well. And that means both performance and health consequences as a result of that underfueling. so we go into something called low energy availability and that's basically a state of where our body doesn't have enough energy coming in to do everything that we're wanting to do in a day plus do all of our basic daily functions so that's like your heart and your lungs and your digestion and all of that stuff so that's when low energy availability happens and that has very like severe long-term and short-term consequences on our health and performance, which include just like declines in performance, declines in energy, not getting those PBs anymore, uh, feeling really tired, low motivation to train. It can make our digestion slow and sluggish. It can increase our risk of injuries and illness. It can um, make us lose our periods or get irregular periods, not be building muscle lose bone mass so it's yep. got really really important like consequences that happen as a result of the under fueling beyond just like oh you're just not eating enough and potentially you know got a bit low energy like it's so much more than that so that's why it's just so important to be making sure you are eating enough for everything that you're doing mm-hmm. And if we're just choosing those low energy options, those low calorie options, it's just really difficult to actually get in that energy that we need to do all of those things and to feel good. Plus, at the same time, we might be still getting in a lot of like fiber, Fiber, um, both in like vegetables, but also in like, you know, your protein bars and all those high protein diet products have a lot of added fibers, a lot of like sugar alcohols and sweeteners added to them, which, you know, a little bit of that and getting enough fiber like it's not a bad thing but if we're just overdoing it that can also be quite harmful for our digestive system not in terms of like we're damaging it but in terms of it's just causes stress and discomfort so you can then end up bloated you can end up you know with gassiness like alternating bowels diarrhea constipation and then what happens is a lot of people end up blaming the food and yep. cutting out more foods when Often it's the case of number one, under fueling. So our digestion is already slow and sluggish. And then we're putting in just a lot of fiber and a lot of these low calorie sugar, alcohol filled foods that then just aren't going down really well with our digestive system. So lower calorie is not the better option. The better option is getting enough calories, enough energy for our body to really thrive and have good energy levels to perform well, to recover well. And that's what's healthy even though like diet culture tries to make us think of the (laughs) less than a hundred calorie snacks are the healthier option for active people it might actually be that's not a good snack option and the the better snack option is two pieces of fruit toast spread with peanut butter and banana
0: yeah, absolutely. Because if they're eating those 100 calorie options, you're going to be eating so much volume of food. And then that's also going to probably be interfering yeah. with the digestion as well. And that's often well. the
1: same thing with, you know, when people are really, really focused on eating clean and they yeah. feel like any sort of processed foods are a bad thing. And like, number one, that's not good for our relationship with food. We want to be able to have that good balance where we're also enjoying food and we're not sort of feeling out of control around certain foods where we then often end up overeating or binging on them from time to time because we've put this kind of halo effect over them so Mm -hmm. that's the first thing but the second thing is also if we're sticking to only whole foods if we have quite high energy requirements it just becomes really difficult to actually meet those requirements with those whole foods without some sort of digestive distress so you know for example if you're trying to fuel a workout. If you go and have a salad with brown rice and all of these other things thrown in there to try and fuel that workout, you're probably not going to be feeling great versus if you, you know, had some crumpets with some jam on them, you would have that energy, but you would not have something heavy sitting in your stomach. So you might then feel a lot better. Same thing goes with, you know, if you're trying to have a certain um, higher energy intake and you're just meeting that all through vegetables and fruits and beans and lentils, you end up getting so full that either you don't meet those energy requirements or you end up feeling really uncomfortable trying to do so. So having a little bit more of those processed foods in there, you know, like including some breads and some wraps and some banana bread or some jam here and there, like things like that can really help us up that energy intake in cases where we need a little bit more without then feeling like we're overdoing it um, in terms of what our stomach capacity can actually handle.
0: Yeah, and I literally did a live about this yesterday in terms of like diet culture just completely destroying carbohydrates and simple carbohydrates especially because they can be like definitely such a good tool to utilise, especially in and around training and to making sure we have that quick energy. because
1: Absolutely. I think people have a really like... Misinformed understanding around what simple carbohydrates are like simple carbohydrates equals bad, equals diabetes, equals um, weight gain, all simple carbohydrates means is that that carbohydrate molecule is one that is a shorter chain so that when our bodies consume that it can be utilized for energy and absorbed a lot faster than a complex carbs which is just a larger chain of carbohydrate which takes more time to break up into those simple carbohydrates to then be digested absorbed and utilized for energy so if we look at that from like a biochemical level simple carbohydrates just mean that our we our body gets access to that energy quickly and it can also be utilized quicker so potentially yes it won't keep us full for that long so if we're looking at like a breakfast meal where we want to be full until lunchtime having just simple carbs probably is not going to be a great option because you'd be hungry again pretty soon however if we're fueling a workout and we want that fuel to be available to us quickly that's a great option Versus like your complex carbs, if you're having a breakfast meal, great option to include those complex carbs because you will have stable energy levels. You'll stay full for a few hours. That's a good thing. But if you're having complex carbs before training, by the time you hit the gym or do your session, that might not have yet been broken down and digested properly. So your body doesn't yet have the access to those carbohydrates for fuel. So that might not be a great option. And it might also be sitting in your stomach and just not feeling good during your workout. So it's all about context.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it comes down to level of education. So thank you so much for clarifying that for everyone that's listening, because it's such a really important thing to understand. So talking about fueling our bodies correctly for our workouts, what's some typical things that you like to recommend to your clients
1: before doing a workout? Cool. So it kind of depends on how soon before the workout and also what that workout looks like. So for example, if it's a a longer, more intense session, you might need a little bit more as opposed to, you know, something that's a bit less intense or a bit shorter. You can get away with a little bit less. And what time of the day, like if it's early morning, again, like you probably don't want to be having a big breakfast and then going straight to the gym early morning, because you probably just wouldn't feel great in your stomach. But with a proper meal we generally want to leave about two to three hours before training just to give our bodies time to digest and absorb that food so let's say you've had porridge or you've had like a rice dish with vegetables and a protein of choice or something like that then again like two or three hours is probably a good amount of time and then before before we do that workout we want to have a little pre-training top-up snack which can be about an hour or so before training and this is going to be more focused on those easy to digest carbohydrates so more focused on those simple carbs whilst being lower in protein fat and fiber and that's because those things slow down our digestion can sit in our stomach a little bit more and just delay the absorption of those carbohydrates so that is then what could potentially lead to some gi upset if we're training with those factors impacting the digestion of that meal so for some like practical examples before training that could be like some toast or some fruit toast or some crumpets not going for like a really dark grainy option but you're going for more like a lighter option like some people are fine with whole or even a white option spread with like some jam honey banana Thin spread of nut butter, something like that, not too heavy on the nut butters, just, you know, but everyone's tolerance of like fats and fiber is individual. So some people are fine going like wholemeal bread with peanut butter, and other people are like, oh, I need to stick to the white bread or I feel rubbish. So that's something to really experiment with what makes you feel good. Other good options would be like fruit um, smoothies. Fruit juice, if you feel like you can't stomach anything early morning is a good option. Or those little fruit puree pouches, um, like a lower fiber muesli bar and a banana. You could do some cereal, like some Nutrigrain with some banana and some milk or something like that. Um, So yeah, here's really where we want to make use of those kind of more sugary foods because our body's going to go off and use that for fuel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something I like to do with my clients is just think back to when they were a kid and what was the one food that they loved the most and for me yeah. personally it was Cocoa Pops so that Cocoa Pops <laughs> yeah it's something that I regularly well I don't have Cocoa Pops but I've switched to Milo cereal just because it's something that I absolutely yeah. love and
1: something and I look yeah. forward to eating it before I train so yeah,
0: that's yeah and so I think that's,
1: that's really important as well like have the option of those things that appeals to you that you yeah. do enjoy eating don't just try and stick with an option that you know you saw recommended somewhere or someone else had if that doesn't feel like something you enjoy eating, because that's really important to make nutrition sustainable is that it actually feels enjoyable as well. Absolutely. It definitely has to come
0: from you and what you want. And a lot of the times everyone's like looking outside of them, like, oh, what's the best thing? What should I eat? And then it's always the question is like, well, what do you really like? And more often than not, that's the answer. So now moving into post-workout. What's your recommendations on what people should be consuming after
1: that? So post-workout, again, like most people are very focused on the protein and protein absolutely is important after training, but what's actually more important is our carbohydrates. And a lot of people forget that. So when we're training, that main fuel source that we're utilizing is carbohydrates. So if you think about like our body's glycogen stores and our blood sugar, if we're using that up whilst we're training, we want to replace that when we finish training. So we kind of put back what we've used in that post-training meal. So we want to make sure we include a good serve of carbohydrates and a good serve of protein so protein we generally want to aim sort of at 20 grams minimum 20 to 30 grams in that post-training meal and a good serve of carbs and the the amount of carbs is going to depend on the individual and especially like what the training is like their overall training volume duration intensity etc And then we also in that post-training meal want to include some of those good fats and colorful fruits and veggies to just help with that recovery and repair process because training is a stress on the body. We've created some inflammation in that training session. We want to help our bodies best recover and repair. So providing those antioxidants and micronutrients to fuel that recovery process. So to like have a more practical example that could be say a fruit smoothie we've got carbs in the fruit we've got some color in the fruits include um some protein powder or some like greek yogurt milk something um and some good fats and some like peanut butter or chia seeds and make a nice smoothie or you could do like an oat bowl where we do some oats for some carbs and some fruits in there um you could do, again, do like milk, yogurt, protein powder for your protein, um, add some nut butters, chia seeds. Um, you could do like a wrap um, with a protein of choice and some veggies or like a rice dish with a protein and veggies. And again, getting that good balance in there and making sure we include a good serve of those protein and carb-rich foods.
0: Yeah. And there are so many good options there. And that's it. When you start fueling your bodies correctly and it's an eating all the rice, like food becomes so exciting again. And it's so enjoyable. Um I really want to pick your brain finally on uh, your 100% plant-based,
1: yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long have you been plant-based for? Um, eight and a half years. Wow. I have been like vegan for like I'm not too attached to the vegan label, but I am vegan. It's like that's why I'm plant-based. It's for ethical reasons, not any sort of health reasons or anything like that. Um, and before that I was actually vegetarian since grade six. So it's been a very long time. Very,
0: very long time. And that's really inspiring and it's so, yeah, I was plant-based for a little bit, but then (laughs) I got to the point where I I just, to be honest, I got a little bit bored of food. I got bored Mm -hmm. of eating tofu every day. So that's why I really wanted to pick your brain on now is how to bump up your protein intake on a plant-based diet, but also keeping it really enjoyable and really satisfying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with you that if you're, not making your food enjoyable and satisfying and also not like having a good variety. It can get really boring. And some people have no issue with eating the same thing literally every day. I am not one of those people. I get bored as well. (laughs) So, Tofu is definitely one of my favorite plant protein sources, but I think it's really important to have like some different ways of preparing that tofu up your sleeve to have that variety. So for example, like having some different marinade options, like, you know, you could do like saute version, you could do like a honey soy version that could go like in stir fries or marinades. Um, I really love doing like grumbled tofu as a mince and doing like taco spices and putting that in wraps and burrito bowls. Um, Again, like blending it into like creamy sauces for pasta. Um, I also love tempeh is like a bit of a change in texture. And again, using different like herbs, spices, sauces, marinades, just to make it taste different each time. You know, it's like your animal foods, like your chicken and your beef, like that would get boring as well if you didn't have different like sauces and seasonings and marinades to prepare it differently. If you were always having it just kind of like plain or with the same seasoning, it does get boring. Um, Other than that, some protein sources I love are also your legume pastas. I'm such a big fan of Mm. those um, because they're like you can have those delicious bowls of pasta, but they also have a little bit higher protein. And I found as a type one diabetic, they have a really good um, stable effect on my blood sugar levels, which is awesome benefit. Um, I love edamame beans in like sushi bowls or like just putting it on top of different salads and and things to just bump up the protein a little bit more. Even those roasted edamame beans you can get, they're so great just to chuck on top of everything and it's got like, you know, an additional five to 10 grams of protein depending on your serving size. Um, soy yogurt and soy milks are really great ways to bump up protein in like smoothies, snacks, um, oat bowls, um, and those types of foods. And even soy yogurt, if you get a plain version, can be good for like sauces and dressings. Again, those aren't huge amounts of protein, but it all adds up. It adds up. Yeah. Of course, your beans and your lentils. Again, like they're not crazy high in protein. A half a can of beans or chickpeas or lentils has about nine or ten grams of protein, which isn't quite enough for a meal. So I do recommend. And pairing that with another protein source, so like a legume-based pasta um, or your tofu or your tempeh or TVP, um, so we can bump that up a little bit more. But they're, you know, so versatile. You can use them in like curries or like mashed chickpeas salads. You can do bean burgers, um, salads, so many different options. And then I also really enjoy plant-based protein powders for smoothies and oats and things like that. You know, um, a lot of people say, oh, if you're needing a protein powder, then clearly you're not getting enough protein. But let's face it, most people who are not plant-based are also using protein powders. And they are a really good way of bumping up the protein in meals, which would otherwise not be very high in protein, like say oats or smoothies. And they're, they're quite delicious as well. So I'm a fan of them if that's something you enjoy. Um, yeah, that's probably my go-tos. And then I do like some of the meat alternatives, even though I I don't really like meat. I find some of the, like in Australia, we have a brand called Sunfed, which does like a nice sort of plant-based chicken type meat alternative that's made from pea protein. So that's like nice in stir fries and curries and pasta dishes. Um, Or even like doing veggie sausages or TVP for like a cottage pie or a a bolognese or a chili. So yeah, there's so many options these days. I think we're very lucky. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely the key is just having some different ways of preparing those options up your sleeve. Um, Because I think that's the most important thing is you can have all the beans and lentils in your cupboard. But if you don't know how to make them into a delicious meal that's going to satisfy your taste buds, then it's not going to be much help. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys need some inspiration, you
0: definitely need to head over to Nina's Instagram because she has so many delicious recipes on there. And Thank you. All, all this talk of food is literally making me so hungry. I haven't had lunch
1: yet. I so. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
0: Um, well, that wraps up everything. Thank you again so much for sharing all your knowledge and expertise.
1: If people want to um, find out more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, the best place to find me is definitely on Instagram. So my handle is at naturally underscore Nina underscore. So that's kind of where I post Yeah, all my recipes, nutrition, um, education, information, pretty active in stories, just sharing kind of like daily food inspo and things like that. Um, and then I do also have a website, which is just naturally-nina.com, where you can also reach out if you want to work with me, or I've also got some articles and recipes and things up there.
0: Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was, yeah, honestly, so much value in that episode. And I am so excited for everyone to hear it. So, thank you. I honestly appreciate you guys so much. Like, it's so much more than you really realize. Next week's episode is actually a request from one of your beautiful listeners. And I'm super excited to sit down and record it. If you guys have any topics or anything that you guys want help with or anything that you need clarified, feel free to DM me on Instagram with a topic or a question and I will absolutely sit down and answer it for you. DMs are always open. We're here for it. Anyway, thank you again for listening. Love you always and I will be in your ears next week. Bye.